Hi, this is Louis Canio. Welcome to the Doctor and Dad podcast. This fast-paced weekly podcast delves into the latest scientific findings on how we can all live longer and better lives. I'm the dad, and my daughter, Nicole, is a family medicine doc who trained at the renowned Cleveland Clinic. We hope you enjoy this short, informative show, and please be sure to visit thedoctorandad.com. Uh, and by the way, the doctor is abbreviated in that. So it's T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for the show notes um, and other resources to help you learn about extending your health span. Within the notes, you'll find links to a bunch of stuff we discussed. So be sure to check it out. And thanks for listening. Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. So in episode 11, we discussed a, a study that indicated people who skipped breakfast had higher rates of cardiovascular disease than people who ate breakfast, which brings into question is fasting, which is the topic of this episode, uh, something that it should be avoided or as a lot of people uh, these days think, uh, certainly uh, I think it has achieved fad status, is fasting good for you? So going to look at a study that indicates skipping breakfast combined with exercise is an effective weight loss strategy. Um, doesn't go broader than that. And also dive into the issue of fasting in general, particularly intermittent fasting, uh, which has become popular. So a couple of questions to, to start off. Does the concept of fasting come up very often with your patients? Um, it does sometimes. Occasionally people will just tell me that they will do intermittent fasting as part of their day-to-day -day routine. <clears throat> I wouldn't say that's common, but occasionally people do. Um, and then for the right kind of patient um, who's struggling with weight loss, we'll sometimes talk about it, but it doesn't right. come up too much. Do you recommend fasting as a strategy for weight loss or do you stay away from from that piece or um, are you I usually phrase it more as time restricted eating compared to fasting um just tell them to keep their meals within an eight hour period as opposed to telling them to fast um because that way they're able to just plan their day a little bit differently and i don't talk to them about more longer fast than just the 16 hours um but yeah, I'll recommend it to, to the right person. There's definitely people who you who shouldn't do it. Um, but I think it can be a helpful strategy for a lot of people who are trying to lose weight. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've found it to be, to be helpful uh, for, for sure. Um, and, and I've found it easiest to skip breakfast. And right. If, and, and then, so if I'm going to look at an eight hour window, it's basically maybe 11 to seven. Yeah. So. I think it, with that study we did on that, we looked at with the breakfast um, and cardiovascular disease uh, might want to just touch on that again, because looking a little bit more closely at it, um, it was interesting that the non breakfast eaters. And again, this study was telling us that the people who skipped breakfast were more likely to have heart disease, heart attacks, and increased mortality from heart disease. But they were also, the ones who skipped breakfast were also more likely to be 
heavy drinkers, smokers, obese, low socioeconomic status, um, poor diet quality, high cholesterol, um, increased diabetes. Um, and they say that they, they adjusted for all of that in their results, but really that's next to impossible to truly, you know, adjust for all of those things. And then, um, one more thing, I don't know if we talked about it last time, but they are reporting like, uh, just their relative risk and it's an 80% increased relative risk for cardiovascular disease, which sounds terrible. Um, but they don't mention a absolute, you know, risk. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at it, it ends up being something like less than 0.1% of an absolute difference. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's kind of stuff that, you know, you, you have to look a little bit closer at, but it just goes to show you what headlines will grab and what the average person is going to take away from an article like that. Exactly. Exactly. And we should mention there, there, there obviously various types of fasting routines. So what we've just talked about is, is, um, well, there are different types of intermittent fasting. I mean, you don't really want to go on a, you know, 365 day fast that, that could be <laughs> life threatening. Um, but there's the, there's the, you know, that, that, uh, restricted, what did you, what was your terminology restricted time? feeding? Um, I say time restricted eating. So yeah. meaning like you restrict the amount of time that you eat your food or meals to a eight hour span. Right. Right. And then another, so another routine I've, I've heard is a five, two, fast mm-hmm. where you eat normally for five days and you fast for two, which right. is definitely going to be more, more challenging. I, I would think. Yes. I, I think they're all challenging at first, but a, a complete fast or where you are significantly limiting your calories to something really low for a 24 plus hour span of time is definitely challenging. And I've done some of that. What, what I've done um, is like, naughty from uh dinner day one to lunch day three which which works out to somewhere around 38 to 40 hours of fasting right and you definitely go through cycles of feeling hungry um but not as bad as as you think and and we'll talk a little bit about more about this uh later in the in the episode but i think there's definitely a stigma around (laughs) Or, or a fear of fasting, right. let's, let's say, when, when, when you mentioned even the, the concept. Right, right. It's not as hard as people think. It really isn't. So, so the study we're going to focus on is called Skipping Breakfast Before Exercise Creates a More Negative 24-Hour Energy Balance. Um, it's a randomized control study, uh, randomized control trial, rather. Um, and it's, uh, it, it was, uh, done in, in healthy, physically active men in Britain, uh, published just, uh, in April in the journal of nutrition, which is a, a British, uh, journal. So the, the objective of the study as its name, um, implies was to assess the effect of 24 hour energy balance. And we, we should, we should kind of define that, but, uh, um, to, uh, so it's it wanted to find out what the effect of, of um, on 24-hour energy balance was was uh, of omitting compared with consuming breakfast prior, prior to exercise. So that's an important component as well. It's not just 
this skipping breakfast, but skipping breakfast combined with, with exercising. So, so what's this energy balance thing? Can you explain that, that piece? Um, you know, in this study, I think what they're talking about is, is the amount of energy consumed and burned. Like, so when you throughout the day, you have X number of calories that you just are burning or amount of energy that you're burning just by living. And then when you do exercise, you're kind of burning more energy. And then when you eat, you are adding energy. So the 24 hour energy balance is just what comes of the mix between your activity and what you're taking in. Right. Pure, pure math. Kind of here's, Mm -hmm. here's, here's it on the, the, let's say the, the, the food is, is the plus and the, uh, the energy expenditure is the burn right. is the minus. So, and so to lose weight, when you talk to people, you know, you have to create an energy, you have to create a deficit. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so the, the method is interesting because now, first of all, we should, should mention it's only, they only um, studied 12 healthy, physically active young men. Uh, right. So the numbers, 20, the mid twenties is low, but it's, you know, it's a randomized control trial. So much better way to um, look at something causing something else than just kind of the observational studies. Than that we've talked about in the past. Exactly. So uh, it's really kind of this, that gold standard we, we talked about and, and they put them through three, three different trials in, in order um, separated by, and they didn't, it, it sounds like they didn't do them kind of all at once. They kind of shuffled the deck, so to speak, um, separated by a, a week. So, in one, they gave them a breakfast of oats and milk, uh, about 430 calories, um, and just followed followed by rest. Um, and then in the second one, they gave them breakfast before exercising, um, and then uh, overnight fasting before exercise. So those are the three uh, those are the, the the three conditions that they studied, uh, and then. They uh, they um, measured the 24 hour energy intake calculated based upon food consumed for um, breakfast um, and that or if they didn't have breakfast, obviously it was zero. And then um, it was an ad libitum lunch, snacks, dinner, what have you. So ad libitum for for those who haven't taken uh, Latin means. Oh, are you asking me? <laughs> yeah. Eat or, whatever, whatever you want. Ad lib. Yeah. Adlib, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's where they the term. Ad, so it sounds it sounds complex, but really, it's either eating and resting in the morning, eating and then exercising in the morning, or exercising without eating anything in the morning, and then eating your regular, you know, food. The rest exactly. Of the day. And they had a way to to measure calorie burn. Uh, right. So that's that's obviously important. Um, and then um, they also went to the, the further step of using a glucose infusion to investigate um, how tissues handled carbohydrates. So they didn't, but they didn't really talk about that a whole lot. But we can yeah. we can talk about the the cell biology maybe a, a little bit as well. So um, and 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 the results are were, were interesting um, and and quite compelling. So in the group that didn't eat breakfast and exercise. They had a net 400 calorie uh, kind of uh, energy. What do they call that? Um, deficit. Energy deficit. Thank you. Yep. Um, 
significantly lower than both of the other groups. Right. So, uh, which, which kind of, you know, makes sense, but, but you, you, on the one hand, you could, people could say, well, obviously they are burning more calories probably than the no exercise group. Right. That's and then, obvious. Then, then they're taking in, le- uh, they're, they're, they're taking in less calories than the people who ate breakfast. Fine. Right. Right. But um, what was interesting is that, um, you know, you could eat whatever you wanted to eat the rest of the day. And the, the theory around kind of some of this fasting, particularly when you combine it with exercise, mm-hmm. is that you will make up that calorie deficit, that exercise makes you hungry, number one. Obviously, right. not, not eating makes you hungry. Um, but that But that wasn't the case. Yeah. So either you know, the skipping breakfast and exercising, just like what you said, doesn't make you any more hungry. You just go on to eat the rest of the day like you normally would, or something about exercising in a fasted state helps you burn more, you know, for whatever reason, uh, maybe in the longer span of time during the day. Um, And either way, it certainly doesn't hurt. Like people say, if you skip, skip a meal, then you you're going to naturally kind of try to overcompensate or your body's going to try to hold on to, you know, whatever else you take in for the rest of the day and not burn it. I think those things are, are stuff that are consistently being disproven. Right. Right. So, and this is the part I need a little help with because this is where that, that plasma glucose piece comes in. So it says that plasma glucose utilization in that fasting exercise group, um, was positively correlated with energy intake compensation at lunch, suggesting liver carbohydrate plays a role in post-exercise energy balance regulation. So, right. So from that, um, I think what they're saying is the amount of glucose that you're utilizing um, you know, when you're fasting and in this case, it's the liver glucose stores that are in your liver. Right. Um, when that, that increase, you know, cause it correlates with higher energy intake. What's it saying? Energy intake composition at lunch. So I, I guess what, what they're saying is they're able to identify that it's the liver form of your glucose and carbohydrate um, that is giving you a little bit more uh, energy boost deficit Um, because our our glucose stores from the the liver are what are our immediate glucose stores that our body uses first essentially so your body will use glucose in a few different ways the easiest way for it to do that is to use its immediate stores that are generally in the liver and the liver makes, you know, glucose with extra um, stores as opposed to accessing the fat stores, which you have to use up your, the rest of your glucose before you can access your fat stores. Um, so it makes sense that it would be, it would be, that would be the source of liver it. Liver carbohydrate, yeah. yeah. And maybe yeah. it's just doing it for a longer time because 
when you're able to exercise in a fasted state. Yeah. And, and, you know, my, so, and, and that's the way I, I usually get a workout in, in the morning. So if I, I, and obviously I'm, I'm fasting in the morning. Um, you know, one of the, one of the concerns before I started this was I would feel like weak, so to speak, yeah. because I, I didn't have, you know, that, that, that breakfast to give me fuel, but that really is a, uh, is a misconception, isn't it? Because the body does have Plenty. Pretty ample Plenty. stores yep. of energy. So if you're if you're fasted for, let's say you are going on twelve plus hours or so, you know, twelve to thirty six hours, then maybe your immediate glucose stores are used up, but your body still has plenty of fat stores to access and accessing those fat stores, they just turn your fats into glucose to burn um, that way or like the ketones and, and that sort of thing. So you're never without energy to burn. I mean, obviously if you take Unless you're starving. Stream, yeah. I've, I work out in the morning fasting and feel better that way than doing it any other time of day, especially if I'm going to run, if I'm running, then I have to do it, um, on an empty stomach first kind of first thing, but I've never really, I guess what I have noticed is sometimes my power in the workout is a little bit better if I'm not fasting first thing in the morning. Um, but I still feel, feel better getting it, getting it done early. So there's no, I I would say there's no issue with, exercising and not eating and clearly it might actually be more beneficial to do it that way especially when you're talking about for weight loss purposes because if you think about it let's say you go and eat a high like a lot of people have protein beforehand or a shake or pre whatever is in these pre-workout things and then you're going to just burn that throughout your workout whereas if you're trying to lose fat um and you're in a fasted state where your body's already used up all of its glucose stores and you have nothing in your you know, stomach to burn, it's going to go and access your fat stores much quicker. Right. Right. You know, I, what I, what I learned last weekend in that I did that eight mile trail run is, um, I, I, I went and got a, a bagel with some peanut butter cause I'm thinking eight, eight miles, I'm going to need some energy. Mm-hmm. So Ate, the, ate that about an hour, hour and a half before I started running. About an hour into running, I felt kind of weak and shaky, like mm-hmm. I had low blood sugar. Which you and, probably did. Which I probably did because and because the, the mistake I made was you eat that bagel, so your blood sugar goes up, so your body re- releases insulin, which depresses your, your blood sugar down just about the time I needed you know, right. To, to, to yeah. have that, that glucose, that blood sugar. So that's, yeah. yeah. And I think they make certain things for like, you know, marathon runners, you know, to have specifically formulated because you don't want too much glucose. You really want more of, you know, protein and whatever, if you're going to be on the long. And so the caveat to all of this, of course, is, you know, I'm talking about doing a 30, 45 minute, maybe hour workout in a fasted state. If you are, weak or lightheaded or you're doing anything more extreme 
you know, these rules don't apply. This is not a blanket statement to everybody in every workout. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, particularly for if you're, you know, marathons or, or what have you, you obviously need a, probably to replenish some of that, those calories along the way. Yes. Uh, so, so I want to, I want to run a, a, you know, around this fasting thing, because I think it fits into maybe a broader perspective on, um, on how we've evolved as, as humans. Um, and, and, and really, I think that our, our evolution is a kind of a history of, of adapting to challenges, one of which was frequent periods of food scarcity. And then you get the abundance. So that feast and famine thing. Mm-hmm. And our, and we've talked about, about this in the past, so not, not a you know, groundbreaking concept, but you know, really our, our ancestors who were better able to store energy, which is, which is you know, stored as fat during, I'm not talking to store it in a you know, cave or whatever, but store it as, as fat during, during periods of abundance and then conserve energy during famine. So, so metabolism goes down essentially. Those, those people uh, or, or humans or prehumans su- survived to pass along their, their genes right. to us. And that's, that's, that's us. And today's environment of constant food abundance is fundamentally at odds with, with the way our, our genes are structured, to, right. you know, because our genes are structured in that, that feast and famine thing. So, and, 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 and that, I think, is the underlying cause of all of this obesity and, and cardiovascular disease and other diseases we, 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 we see these days. Um, and, and really, you know, um, fasting aligns with, um, our, our evolutionary history and, and actually, um, you know, shouldn't be kind of feared, but more embraced. Yeah. Cause, and you don't have to, I mean, I think the word fasting makes people think of like long, really long spans of time of not eating anything. You just, you want to get, give your body a chance to drop insulin levels for a good amount of time because insulin spikes when you have glucose around that needs to be taken from your bloodstream out of your bloodstream into your tissues. And that happens when you eat. And just like what you said, people are eating up until they go to bed and then first thing in the morning because it's just foods available. And that's what that's a lot of people's just pattern um, and habit. And when that happens, you know, you're not giving enough time for the insulin levels to drop. Um, And we see so many benefits when you're able to decrease your glucose levels and insulin levels um, that, I mean, the benefits are across the board, whether it's your cholesterol levels, muscle growth, fat loss, inflammatory markers, protection against Alzheimer's disease. So neurological changes, all these different things are correlated, you know, to, to giving your body, um, kind of a rest when it comes to eating, eating, but that implies that people need to get comfortable with the discomfort of feeling hungry. Right. And it, it does, um, you'll get hungry and then that hunger, um, signal and kind of that hunger, quote unquote, hunger pain will go away it doesn't it's not like it will be there gnawing at you until you're able to eat again you'll kind of it kind of comes in in waves you might wake up feeling hungry like you should eat breakfast but you know drinking water and 
black coffee or whatever um, usually gets you through another few hours. And Right. If you, if you give yourself time, most of us are programmed, I would say, to respond to that hunger immediately, mm-hmm. not so to speak, lead into the hunger you right. know, and, 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 and let it pass and what have you. you know, so whether it's all the marketing on TV, that, that Snickers bar, commercial comes to mind you know where people are a monster and then they get a snickers bar and then they're back to themselves or or what have you um or you know all the admonitions around clean your plate when you're you know when you're a kid um or just the you know the 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 general thing about um um about you know whether it's hunger in africa or whatever whenever Mm -hmm. hunger hunger is never portrayed as being a positive let's put it that way it's always (laughs) pejorative but if you think about that hunger as a, a signal that your body's doing all these other positive things then then maybe it becomes a more of a driving force to exactly i'm thinking of having some some t-shirts made up say <laughs> no pang no loss like <laughs> the like akin to no pain no gain what, right. what do you think what do you think would will, will they sell no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a I, wouldn't, chance, uh... I wouldn't do that Okay, cool, cool. Well, um, uh, I, I, this, the, all this talk about fasting and food has made me hungry. So I think I'm going to go get a, I think I'm going to go get a snack. Yeah, go have a Snickers bar. <laughs> okay, no, maybe a, actually, you know, my favorite snack is these days is a wasa cracker with peanut butter and, and some cinnamon on it. So I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go chow down one of those, those tasty treats. Uh, all right. Sounds great. Okay. You have a good rest of the day. Talk all to you right. Later. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening. You can visit the doctorandad.com. That's spelled T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for show notes to any of our podcasts, as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now the legal disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this information in show notes is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not, should not disregard or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Doctor and Dad podcast.